Well, it's good to see everybody today. How's it going? What's going on, Faith Church? It's good to see you in the house. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor. If you're new here, we're glad that you're here. If you're tuning in for the first time, showing up for the first time, we're glad that you're here. If you're Faith Church family, hey, man, great to see you. It's going to be a great day today. Um, we are continuing a series we started uh, last week. But I just want to pray, man. I prayed in the first service, and I just want to pray. You know, sometimes we carry struggles in our lives and burdens that just overwhelm us. And we go to bed with anxiety and fear, and we wake up and worry and wonder how the day will, will pan out and how we'll make it happen. And I just want you to know, the Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That God invites us not just one time in salvation, but every, every day, in every situation, every circumstance to invite God's presence into our life. And his commitment is to be your strength and to be your joy. And that as you look at situations that feel overwhelming, that you have a confidence that God's with you. And so, Lord, I just pray, God, over this house, God, over every person here, every person watching, God, I pray in Jesus' name that, Father, I pray that, God, the thing in front of us that seems too big, I pray that, God, right now we would be reminded that, God's your bigger that, God, the obstacle, that God is too large for us, that, God, in your strength, we can overcome it. And so, Lord, I pray, Father, I pray every, every burden, every heaviness, every fear, every anxiety, every doubt, every discouragement would be broken in Jesus' name. Father, let peace and joy, God, in your presence come into this room. Come on, some of you just in this room, you just need to say, Father, I receive it. I need you. Lord, I just ask you today, Lord, come into my life. God, help me. Father, we invite your presence. God, your word says if we'll draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. So, Father, we press in because we recognize you're our hope, you're our answer. You're everything that we need. Touch every life. I pray, God, no person, no person connected, whether through a broadcast or live, I pray, Father, will leave this place the same way they came in. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Amen. Come on, can we honor the Lord one more time? So we live out in Killen, and we have a, uh, a three-car garage attached to our house, three bays, and two of the bays have cars in them, and one of the bay has junk in them. Come on, some of you know what I'm talking about. No room for a third car because we've got a pile of stuff, and it's funny because every time, it's not, that's not in our DNA. We are, we are typically neat people, and contrary to what that third bay looks like, we are not pack rats. But come on, the longer you live, it is just so easy to accumulate stuff. And um, so we got this pile. Every time I leave my house, every time I go through the garage, I look over at that bay, I look over at that pile of stuff, and I just have an anxiety attack because I know, like, I just need to do something with it. And it's old Christmas decorations, you know, because, like, I'm a, I'm a red and green guy. Like, just give me some big, fat Christmas bulbs and some, and some, you know, whatever. But my wife, she likes the current color. So we've had purple Christmas trees. Who has a purple Christmas tree? The purple Christmas trees and the orange Christmas trees. And so we got crisp, old Christmas decorations we need to get rid of. We got prom dresses that our daughters haven't worn in years to get rid of. This is a huge pile of stuff. And I keep meaning to clean it out. And I keep telling myself this weekend, next weekend, next day off. Come on, somebody. Like I just keep pushing it ahead. When it was cold, I said, I'm going to wait till it gets warmer. Now it's hot. I'm going to wait till it gets cold. Come on. The, the truth is, here, here's part of our battle is uh, my wife and I, we have a great relationship, but we do lie to each other. Not directly, but it's, it's this way. So my wife, she'll buy a new outfit, and when I see that she has it on, I ask her, I'll say, uh, when did you get that? And here's her answer, I've had it. Which is true, she has had it, 
But what she's trying to convince me is she's always had it, but she's really only had it since like yesterday. So that's her lie to me. So my lie to her is she has stuff and she, don't, she hates when I throw stuff away. She always wants me to check with her. But if I check with her, we'll keep it forever so I don't check with her. I just throw it away. So like six months later is when she goes to look for it. She'll say, do you know where it is? And I say, no, which is true. I don't know what landfill it's in. <laughs> I don't know where it is. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I'm, if I'm honest, here's this stuff. Here's this project. It needs done. I want to get it done. But the reason it's not done is I, I just keep procrastinating. I just keep putting it off. I'll just do it later, another day, next week. I just keep procrastinating. And if I'm honest, probably, and you're honest, uh, I'm not the only one because we got some procrastinators in the house. All of us in this room, we have something we've been intending to do, wanting to do. You have, you have little things you've been meaning to fix in your house. All of us in this room, we all know people we say this to. We need to get together and do dinner. And we mean well, but like we just keep putting it off. We just keep saying later. We keep meaning to write someone that note of encouragement. We keep meaning to tell someone thank you. We keep meaning to get together with friends. We keep meaning to fix the broken, whatever it is. But the reason I don't do my stuff and you don't do your stuff is because I'm not the only one. Come on, together, we're procrastinators, aren't we? All of us in this room, we procrastinate. We put off the project that needs to be done. Here's the deal is most of the time in life, it really doesn't matter how clean the third bay in my garage is doesn't really matter. There, there are no real challenges whether I do it or not other than my own personal drive to stay neat and organized. However, when it comes to the things of God, the things of faith and the way that we serve God and we walk out this journey, here's what I want you to hear right out of the gate is there is always a price for procrastination. There is always a price. Everybody say that. There is always a price for procrastination. When you put off, when you delay, when you kick down the road what God has for you, there's always a price to pay for procrastination. We're in a series that we started last week entitled Bad Boys, What You Gonna Do? Bad Boys, and the series of Bad Boys is about the, this group of guys, 12 guys in the Old Testament, not the New Testament disciples, but the Old Testament called the Minor Prophets. Now again, there's a prophet. What a prophet is, a prophet is someone that God uses that he gives his message to deliver to a person or group of people. And the prophet carries a message called a prophecy. And in the Old Testament, man, there's prophets everywhere. There's prophets littered throughout. God used them to deliver his message to kings and to groups of people and to individuals. And those prophets are broken into two categories. There are non-writing prophets and writing prophets. Again, a non-writing prophet is somebody who didn't record his prophecy, didn't record his life, didn't write anything down. He just lived it, and somebody else recorded it, and we can observe it, like, again, Elijah and Elisha. But then there are writing prophets, prophets who recorded for us to read their prophecies, their journey, their life. And they're in the category of writing prophets. There are major prophets and minor prophets. The major prophets, the reason they're called major, it's not because they're a big deal. It's because their books are really long. Like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, their books are 20, 30, 40, 50 chapters long. And so the major prophet, then there's the minor prophets. And the minor prophets are my favorite because you can sit down and read a minor prophet in just a few minutes. The minor prophets, the reason he's called a minor prophet is because he wrote, he recorded his prophecies. He recorded the message God gave him to send. And they're like one chapter, two chapter, three chapter, just really short books. And in the Old Testament, again, there are 12 minor prophets. And through this series, Bad Boys, we're looking at four of the 12 and here's what we're going to find out is that even though their message is anywhere from 26 to 2,800 years old, that message is still relevant today. That what God said to his people almost 3,000 years ago, God is still saying to his people 
today. Last week, we started with the book of Jonah. Today, we're going to continue this series, Bad Boys, with the book of Haggai. And let's jump right into the story. Haggai chapter 1, verse 1 says this, In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. <sighs> Y'all need to clap because I've been practicing that. I don't see none of you on the platform pronouncing all that. You say, okay, what does that have to do with anything? Well, what that does is Haggai, recording his prophecy, he sets in the beginning a timeline so we know exactly when he's writing so we'll understand why he's writing. And because most of us didn't live 3,000 years ago, let me just give the backdrop. Let me give the storyline of why Haggai is giving the message that God's given him to tell to the people of the nation of Israel. Basically, again, we, we, some of you know the storyline, God's people, the nation of Israel, they lived in their capital city, Jerusalem. That was the hub of worship. In the center of Jerusalem was the temple. King Solomon built this glorious, beautiful temple, and it was the hub of God's presence. It's where God's presence dwelt. It's where the people gathered to worship. It's where the sacrifices were made. However, what you find throughout the cycle of the nation of Israel is there were times that they would get in rebellion. They wouldn't do what God did, what God wanted. They wouldn't do what God said. Just like some of us, come on, somebody, we don't do what God wants and we don't do what God says. And so at that time, God would send and God would allow other armies to come in and to conquer the nation of Israel. They would, they would lose battles they were fighting because of disobedience. In fact, God raised up this nation, this huge political power called Babylon. The Babylonian Empire, led by this king Nebuchadnezzar, he came in and he destroyed Jerusalem in 586 B.C., absolutely wiped it out, and he raised the temple, destroyed it, tore it down brick by brick, tore down the hub of worship, absolutely desecrated the temple, took the best and the brightest and led them into captivity, made them slaves. The beautiful thing, and this, I just got to throw this out, Jeremiah records that in 70 years, before it ever happened, before the person was ever born, God put in his mouth, and Jeremiah the prophet put in his mouth the name of the king that would let the people of Israel go. His name was King Cyrus. The Babylonian Empire was ultimately displaced by the Persian Empire. This guy by the name of King Cyrus raises up, and he writes a decree that allows the people of Israel to come out of captivity, to go back to their capital city, Jerusalem, and not just go back to Jerusalem, but he writes a decree that they can rebuild the temple. And with passion and excitement to go back and reestablish their city, to rebuild the temple, to reestablish their worship, like they can't wait to do it, they can't wait to get there, like they leave Persia, they get to Jerusalem, and they start building and in the middle of the building process, they hit some snags, there are some challenges, and ultimately they stop building the temple and they start building their subdivisions. And God says, wait a minute, I sent you to build my house and you're busy building your house. And this is what the whole prophecy is about. This is what the whole story is about. In fact, he goes on and he says, Haggai chapter 1 verse 2, he says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, God is aware of the sayings of people. We got some sayings in Alabama, don't we? Here's some sayings. A come apart, my personal favorite. Beat the brakes off somebody. Man, I love that. This is so colorful. Here's one. This is kind of funny. Most of y'all know this. I'm from, I'm from the north, and um, typically people in the south view people in the north as direct and rude, and, and people in the north, we view people in the south as friendly 
And the truth is, you just church stuff up. <laughs> like, here's a saying. Here's what the Lord would say about people in Alabama. Here's what we say. Bless their heart. We say the same thing in the north. We say, what a moron. That's the same thing. You just say it a little bit nicer. When someone cuts you off in traffic, oh, bless their heart. We're like, what an idiot. We're saying the same thing. That's what, that's what we say. So we say, beat the brakes off. Here's our favorite saying in Alabama, and I'll say it, roll tide. Better hang with it, because that's about the only time I'm saying it. That's a saying. That's a saying. That's what we say. At that time, there was a saying they had, and God said, this is what the people say. Well, what did they say? What was their saying? Here, here it is right here. These pe- this is what they say. These people say this. Everyone read this. The time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. God's saying, I set you free, and I sent you with a, uh, with a, with a project in mind. I sent you with, with, a, with a goal in mind to rebuild my house. And it's time, so you know the time frame. This isn't a year later. This isn't five years later. This isn't 10 years later. This is about 20 years later. And the only thing that they've accomplished is they've laid the foundation. He's saying, man, what, what, he's, what God is saying to the people, he's saying, this is what you're saying is, my call don't fit into your calendar. And that's for a lot of us in this room, man. I have seen for a long time in my spiritual journey and being a pastor in the spiritual journey of a lot of people that our first response is to punt. God calls us to do something and we punt. And we say later, we'll do it later. And really what's happening is we're just procrastinating, right? We talk to people and, and there are some of you in this room and, and you're in college. And God, I can't serve right now. I can't give right now. God, I can't do what you want me to do right now because I'm in college. And I, God, once I graduate college, I'm in. Lord, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to get connected. I'm going to start serving. I'm going I'm to do the thing, God. Just let me get past college. And then we get past college and we got a family. And God, I can't do it right now because I got a young family. Lord, it's just too hard to do that. I got young kids. God, once the kids get older and graduate, God, then I'll get involved. And the kids grow up and they graduate. And then we say, God, I mean, I'm so tired from raising these kids. God, I just need a break. Lord, we're just going to travel for a little while. And Lord, after we travel for a little while and we get that, Lord, then we'll serve. And then people travel for a while and then they come back. And well, Lord, we're just, we got a house in the south and a house. And Lord, once we get connected, when we'll serve. And then you, after you've punted from college to career to family to graduation to retirement, then you die. And you realize you've procrastinated your life away. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? And like all of us in this room, we have done this. All of us in this room, that's been our challenge. Like we just keep on punting. We keep on kicking the ball down the road. Again, God's call for our life doesn't seem to fit in our calendar. And so we just got to pull back and evaluate because this was the purpose that Haggai prophesied or gave this message to the people of Israel and why it still fits today because we are a room full of procrastinators. We know what God wants us to do, but we just keep telling God later. And I'm just telling you this, listen, delayed obedience is disobedience. Telling God later, we think is a yes, God hears a no. And we all do this with kids. Think about this. How, how many of you in this room, you have a kid and your son or your daughter comes and wants you to do something. You don't want to do it. You know you can't tell them no because they'll keep on and keep on and keep on. So what do we tell them? Later. Dad, you want to play ball? Let's go ball. Let's play ball. You want to play ball? Let's go play ball. Come on, Dad. Come on, Dad. You can't, I can't tell my son no. So I tell him later. That's a way of saying no without telling him no. When you tell God later, God knows the intent of your heart. You're not, your intent really is not later. Your intent is no now. And I'm just telling you, man, listen to me. There, there's, we're always going to face those challenges. We're always going to have those issues where we're focused on the wrong project. 
where we're busy doing our stuff instead of God's stuff. In fact, I heard someone describe life this way, because you know, I want you to hear this, man. Life will always give you reasons to tell God no. There's no shortage of reasons to tell God no. As you look at life, I heard someone describe life this way, that when you're young, when you're young, that you have time and you have strength, but you have no money. That when you're middle-aged, you have money and you have strength, but you have no time. And when you get old into retirement, you have time and you have money, but you have no strength. Which means there's always going to be a season in life where you feel like you don't have the resources to do what God's called you to do. The challenge is, in reality, we're, we're not just saying no to God. We're saying no to God because we're saying yes to the wrong things. If we're going to do what God's called us to do, we have to learn to say right to what really matters, to say yes to what really counts. Well, what is it we're supposed to say yes to? Because we're all saying yes to something. Here's what they were saying yes to. Check this out. He said, hey, you're not building my house. Check this out, verse 3 and verse 4. He says, then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai and says, is it time for you yourselves to be living in paneled houses while this house remains in ruins? He's saying, you don't have no time or resources to build my house, but your subdivision's coming along great. Come on. He's saying, you're telling me you can't build what I have for you to build, but you, you found time and money and resources and effort to build what you wanted. So it's not that, it's not that we, we don't have it, right? And man, a lot of us in this room, let's be honest, man, the, the journey we're in is that as you become a Christ follower, it's learning to reallocate our resources in a way that honors God. A lot of times, man, we live our life like, God, I'm going to spend on me and do on me and invest in me and use my time for me, me, me. And if I have anything left, God, I'll give it to you, which is why when we get done, we don't have anything left and we tell God, no, right now, right now. Come on, somebody. Is because, I mean, imagine my, my wife and I, one of our, we've not had this in a while. In fact, I was thinking about this. I need to go see if the local Logan's has it. Logan's in Ohio used to have this dessert. It was a, um, get this. Some of you are going to Logan's today. I prophesy that. <laughs> they had a fried cheesecake ball dessert with ice cream and strawberry syrup and whipped cream. Mm. I know, right? I'm going to Logan's later on. And so my wife and I, we never ordered one. We would order one and we would share it. Now imagine if I said this, baby, listen, how about I just eat all I want and when I've had my fill, I'll give you the, I'll give you the rest. Now, first of all, she wouldn't get none. Now if I told my wife, baby, let me get mine and then you can have what's left, what do you think my wife would say? But that's exactly what happens in a lot of our lives when we procrastinate from the project God has for us and we punt and say later, what we're saying is, God, I'm saying yes to all my stuff now. I'll say yes to your stuff later if I have anything left over. And the reality is for all of us in this room, listen again, we just need to learn to say yes to the right stuff. We feel like we're saying no because we don't have enough time, we don't have enough money, we don't have enough resources. And you're taking notes, our problem is not a shortage of possessions but of priorities. I'm just telling you, everybody in this room, you have enough resources to give and you have enough time to serve. But man, we're divvying it out to all the wrong things and it's God's saying, listen, man, I, I recognize you're busy building your house and you're busy building your kingdom and you're busy building your life. What about what I've called you to? And so that was the message for the nation of Israel, like God was confronting this agenda that they had. 
And here's the reality, guys, is, is this, man. You might feel like you don't have any... God, I, I would give if I had more time, if I had more money, if I wasn't so busy, if my calendar wasn't so full, if I wasn't so involved. And man, I just got so much going on, God. I just Now's not the time. I can't. And I just want you to hear this. Listen to me, that, that just because you feel like you have a shortage of resources doesn't mean you tell God no, because again, it's not, the issue is not the resources. The issue is really our priority. It's what's important to us. What do we really value? What's the thing in our life that we want to honor? And so he goes on and he, he calls this out. And let me give you this, man. The, in the New Testament, there's a story that Jesus tells. He tells this parable. It's called the parable of the talents. And it's a picture ultimately that Jesus is painting is that, that everything we have in life comes from God. And that everything we have that comes from God, we should use it to honor God. And that means it's always Sunday morning church. It's just ultimately our life should be lived in a way that we want to honor God, the way we treat people, the way we use our resources, the way we spend our money, the way we raise our families, the way, like all of it, God, everything I have comes from you, and God, I want to honor you with it. In the parable of the talents, it starts with this guy, the giver of the talents, who is God, and he comes and he brings three people in front of him, and he gives one person five talents, and one person two talents, and one person one talent. He gives one person a lot of money, one person a little bit of money, and one person hardly no money at all. Gives one person a whole bunch of talents. Cat can sing and play the piano, and he's friendly, and he's outgoing, and he's smart. He's got five degrees, and he gives one person two talents. And he gives one person one talent. Guy was C-minus average at best. Couldn't play football, couldn't blow a trumpet, couldn't do anything. He's just a guy that skated through high school, right? Five talents, two talents, and one talent. A lot of money, a little bit of money, hardly no money at all. A lot of skill, a little bit of skill, hardly no skill at all. And you might feel I'm the, like I'm the person with not much time or not much money or not much resources. But here's the point of the parable of the talents is even though that there are unequal resources given, there is still equal accountability. Everybody has the same level of accountability, even though we don't all have the same level of resources, which means I might have more than you or you might have more than me. But at the end of the day, God's going to call all of us into account of how did we use what he gave us? Come on, somebody. And so God's saying, listen, I would rather call you into account now about what you're saying yes to than wait until it's too late. And so then he says this, and this, this is where it gets real, because again, there was more than more what was happening than, than just they weren't building God's house or they weren't just rebuilding the temple. In the middle of them building their house, like they started facing this struggle. Like the resources started running out. Like they started hitting snags in life, like business deals were falling, uh, were falling apart. Life wasn't happening. People were losing their jobs. And God says, listen, he, here's, here's his call. He says, listen, I want you to think about what's going on. In fact, he says this. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Everybody read this. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. Come on, everybody here, read this. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. So he bookends this challenge for us to look at our lives. And he says, hey, uh, consider your ways. Everybody said that, consider your ways. And he says, listen, man, you're working hard, but you're not getting ahead. Anybody here feel like that's, that's your financial story? He says, like, you're earning money, but you're putting it in a bag with holes. 
Like, man, I'm working, I'm working overtime, I'm working extra time, I'm picking up extra shifts, and like, man, I just can't get ahead. Anybody here in this room ever feel like you just can't get ahead in life? No matter how hard you work, like it's two steps forward, or one step forward and two steps back. Come on, wave at me. He's saying, I want, if that's you, he's saying, I want you to look at your life. Because the American way is, if you're not getting ahead, it's because you're not working hard enough. You just need to put in more effort. And so what do we do, man? We're, we're trying to make a family happen. We're trying to make a career happen. And man, we just keep working harder no matter how hard we work. Like we just can't get ahead. That was the same thing for these people. And God is saying, hey, I want you to stop and think about it because there is a correlation between your struggle and your strategy. The reason you're still struggling isn't because you just need to work harder. You need to change your strategy. The results of our lives aren't always just connected to our efforts. The American way is to work harder. The Christian way is to work smarter. And to work smarter means what you work for and how you work and how you live your life is connected not just to always our project, but God's project. Man, a lot of us, we get saved Think of this, man. We get saved and it's, it's like we're driving through life in our BMW and we're in the driver's seat and there's Jesus on the side of the road. That's the day we got saved. We let Jesus in the car. And when Jesus gets in the car, you know where he wants to sit? In the driver's seat. You know where most of us put him? In the trunk. Come on, Jesus, hop in the trunk, and I'll let you out when I need something. Jesus, I got a flat tire. It's a good thing you're back there with the tire and the jack. You can get out and fix the tire, and when you're done, get back in the trunk. And I'm just telling you, listen, God, I, I know like we feel like, man, I let Jesus in my life. Jesus doesn't want to be in the trunk. He wants a driver's seat. And that's the message that he's trying to give the nation of Israel. And the message 3,000 years later that's still relevant is a lot of us are living our lives and not the lives that God has for us. We're using our resources on our projects on our dreams and on our lives. And not that those things aren't important, not that career and family and all that stuff is not valuable to God. But when we take everything God's given us and spend it on us, God says, you're going to live your life always behind. You'll never get caught up because you're focused on the wrong thing. You think it's about more efforts. Well, if it's not about just more efforts, what's the answer? How do we get ahead? Well, he tells us, verse 9, watch this. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Everybody say blew away. You know, man, a lot of times when life goes south, you know who we blame, don't we? We blame the devil. Well, man, the devil robbed that, broke that, messed that up. I didn't get the job because of the devil. You know what God is saying? God says, sometimes I will allow things to go sideways in your life. Because if I allow you to keep going down the trajectory you're on, you'll think I approve it. And God says, sometimes I will cause things to be messed up. I'll cause things to go awry. I'll cause things to fall short because I want to get your attention that you're headed down the wrong path. Come on, somebody. So man, I'm just telling you, listen, if you feel like things aren't working out, you can stop rebuking the devil and start thanking God and pull back and say, maybe I need to reconsider my, my ways. Maybe I need to consider really how I'm living life because my strategy is not working out. So he says this. So again, if, if it's not more effort, what is it connected to? If it's, not, if it's not effort, here's what it's connected to. He says it right here. Watch. He says, because of my house, which remains in ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Mm. So here's a tough thing. Y'all quiet today. Minor prophets were no joke. Like people were like, woo, amen, Jesus. People like, just like this, like, oh, he might be talking to me. You know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, he's saying your harvest is connected to God's house. 
See, here's the beautiful thing about faith, and this is the beautiful thing about life. Ultimately, what God is saying, as long as you're busy living your life, you're on your own. But when you involve yourself in my life, God says you'll be blessed beyond measure. God says when you hook up in my projects, God says my projects are connected to my blessings. Come on, somebody. Anybody here found that out? When you start really living for God and really start serving God, all of a sudden start, things start turning around. Come on, somebody. I wish somebody in this house would tell other people that God is faithful. When you give it all to him, God honors that and God blesses that and God increases that. This is what he's saying, man. You're building your houses and you forgot my house. And if you don't get back to my house, God says, listen to me, you will never have what you need to really build your house. What God is calling us to is, again, it's not really procrastination. We think it's procrastination. It's really priorities. That any time you start without God in the beginning, you will always end up in disappointment. Whether that's a relationship, whether that's a career, whatever it is, God is saying, man, you got to start with me. It's got to be about me first. That our strategy has to be about putting God in the place of supremacy, that he's first. Is God first in your life? Is God first in your career? Is God first in your marriage? Is God first in your finances? Is God first in your dreams? God says, if if I'm not first, he says, listen, you'll never succeed. And if you have a level of success, your success will never really have significance. You might have money in the bank, but it'll never mean what God intended your life to really mean. So man, these people, they're building their house. They're struggling with success. Things are falling apart. And God goes on and he, calls, he says this, watch this, this is big. He says, therefore, watch this, he says, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth is crops. He says, I call for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces. The center of their financial success was basically their harvest, were their fields. It's different for us today. But whatever it is, your career, however you get ahead in life. See, we think, again, it's just working hard. God is saying this. He's saying, listen, you're still doing what you need to do, but you're not getting the results you want because it's not just up to you. He says, I'm the one that's holding back the dew, and I'm the one that's holding back the ground. You control the output, but God controls the outcome. You can plant all you want, but you know who we need to get connected to? God calls Jesus the Lord of the harvest. Whew. He's the one who controls, which means you can follow the instructions, but you got to follow Jesus. What is God leading you to? What is God calling you to? And sometimes we can get so distracted by the success of this world. We can get so distracted by our own lives and miss what God's called us to. And man, we prioritize everything else above God. And God says, that's fine. But if you're going to live without me, you're going to live without my blessings. But if you'll get back involved in what I've called you to do, God says, you'll be shocked what begins to happen in your life. And so he goes to watch this, and this is where this is the turning point. Then Zerubbabel, that was kind of the guy who led the nation of Israel back to Jerusalem. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent them, and the people feared the Lord. Verse 13, this is big. Every voice here read this. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. Now, I know you may not think that's profound, but I'm telling you the presence of God is the difference maker in life. 
If you ever attempt to live life and to overcome and to achieve and walk in victory and to walk in some level of success, you can never have it without God's presence. And what God is saying, I want you to know this is, what preceded God's presence with them was them to surrender to God's project, which means God is saying, my presence is attached to my project. What I'm calling you to, my presence will follow. And sometimes the reason we're not experiencing God's presence is because we're so busy living our careers, our lifestyles, our callings, and doing our thing that we left God and we left his house and we're busy building ours. And God says, if you'll come back to me, I'll come back to you. Come on, somebody. And so listen, this change, he's saying, I want you to consider your ways. I want you to look at life. I want you to look at your house. I want you to look at your family. He's saying, if you're struggling, maybe it's it's not because you're not working hard enough. Maybe it's because you're not working smart enough. One of the greatest things you'll discover in life, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Come on, somebody. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Sometimes you'll get a job, not because you're smarter than the other guy, because you know somebody in the background. You got someone to put your name on the top of the list. There's no better person to know and be connected to than the God of the universe. God says, I want you to know, if you're busy doing what I've called you to do, I'm with you, which means I'm going to resource my project. When you get tired, I'm going to give you strength to do what I've called you to do. God says you're going to face challenges and difficulties. You're going to feel overwhelmed. At times, you're going to be discouraged. But I want you to know the God your strength is with you. The God who encourages is with you. The God who brings peace is with you. Come on, somebody. God is with us when we're busy with him. So here's what I want you to hear because this message applies to all of our lives. Because I'm just telling you, listen, I get selfish. And I get, I get out of whack in my priorities. And I make my life about me. And God says, listen, you got to pull back and consider your ways. Are you busy building God's house? Are you busy building yours? Because what God builds will last for an eternity. What we build. The guy who discipled me, he told me this when I was a young believer. And I, was, I sat with him every, every day, uh, once a day, um, every week. And man, he taught me God's word and taught me how to grow as a young believer. And I was in that season of trying to figure out if I was going to do what I wanted to do, which I was on a career path. I was in school to be an electrical engineer. Felt like God's call in my life. Felt like God called me to do what I'm doing now. And I wasn't sure, do I, do, I go into, do I go into engineering or do I go into ministry? And this is what he asked me. He said, why do you want to build something that will be just be burnt up in judgment when you can build something that will last for eternity? That's the call we all have. That's not just mine. Is man, I want to build what God's building. I want to be a part of what God's building. So that's for all of us. But here's, here's what I want you to hear for a church. For just this last minute, for our faith community. And if you're just visiting and hanging out, you can unplug now. But if this is your church and I'm your pastor, I want you to hear this. The ultimate message of the book of Haggai is this. If you want to change your world, you have to change your ways. And I want to be a church that changes the world which means we got to change our ways. we got to change our ways. This past Tuesday, I sat in a lawyer's office in Lawrenceburg, and we as a church, we closed on 11.27 acres in Lawrenceburg for $425,000. The week before, the week before, we sent, we sent Portable Church, a company we're working with, the resource where we're going to plant our church in Lawrenceburg, a check for $327,000, which gives us our sound system, light system, staging, and everything we need for kids' ministry and hospitality and VIP. I don't know if you're doing the math, but we're able to do what God's called us to do because some of you have figured this out. I want to be a part of what God's doing. I don't want to just build my house. I want to build God's house. 
And so if you're here and that's not you, I just want to issue the challenge. Consider your ways. If your Sunday morning consists of showing up, sitting down, and just listening and going home, I just want to challenge you to stand a post. Find a place to serve. Stop building your house and start building God's. Stand by a door, hug necks, shake hands, and point in the right direction. Be a part of VIP to make first-time guests, make their connection important and valuable. If you signed up, show up. If you show up, show up on time. Give God your best. Go in the back and hold a baby. Hold a camera because each and every week, we have hundreds and thousands of people that watch online and watch our online platform. We're building God's house together. We're building God's house together. And I'm telling you, the more we get in sync and the more we get connected and the more we get focused on the right priorities of giving God supremacy of our life, listen to his promise, Matthew 6, He says, if you'll seek first, everybody shout first, first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all that other stuff will be added to you. God says, if you go looking for the other stuff first, you'll never find it. But if you put me first, I'll bring all that other stuff to you. So let's be a community that changes the world. And the only way we're gonna change the world is if we consider our ways. So if you're not serving, grab a post. Take the next step, get involved and grow you. If you're here and you show up every week and you're a consumer, be a contributor. If you're sitting on the bench, get in the game. Be a giver, finance the ministry. Don't finance my ministry. Together we're financing the ministry God's given us. We're gonna keep building his house. I wish somebody to help me out. I'm grateful to be a part of a growing church that every week people show up and experience life change. But it's because a group of us in this house have said, you know what? It's not about my house, it's about his. There's no greater place and no greater house you'll ever build than God's house. So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that God, there will be an urgency that begins to rise in our hearts that forces us out of complacency. Lord, I pray we'll stop procrastinating and we'll make you our priority. Speak to us. Consider your ways. Everyone in this house, everyone watching online, consider your ways. And God, I pray that what you show us, we would respond in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed, said amen. Amen. God bless you.